This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hahn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all of this draft capital they have? Voila! playoff contender and Dan Weeder and you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers I just don't know what fantasy land that is we're going to take the north and never give it back welcome to the take the north podcast on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts I'm David Hall from 670 The Score, the Mullion Haw Show. Dan Weederer from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears. It is Friday morning, the week after the Super Bowl, and there has been already a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason for the Bears, Dan, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closure closing on the land in Arlington Heights. There's a lot to discuss this week. I think we should probably start with the land stuff, but uh, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, look, like the 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started, and already you feel the momentum of just interest and intrigue and all this different stuff about which directions they're going to go with their stadium, which directions they're going to go with their team, which directions they're going to go with their quarterback. It is a limitless buffet right now of topics for the Bears. What's interesting about the stadium project on a local level is that it in, it involves a d- degree of controversy that I don't know really exists outside of Cook County, outside of Chicago city limits, because we are in the midst of, in Chicago, a mayoral election in a couple of weeks. And there's this suggestion that 
this Arlington Heights project has some political implications because the Bears potentially leaving the city might reflect poorly on Mayor Lori Lightfoot and, and have an impact on that race. I am one not to get too political in this football podcast, but I don't think that they are as related as some of the news stories may want to suggest, or maybe some of the, the political pundits want to suggest. This is something when you're talking about the Bears closing on land out at Arlington Heights, 326 acres, $197 million. This is something that was going on regardless of the political calendar. Oh, without question. And I, I would encourage our audience to get over to ChicagoTribune.com because we've got a, a, a great team of diverse reporters on this story of people covering this from the city angle, from the, the, the village of Arlington Heights angle, from the, the Springfield angle, from the Bears angle, from the NFL angle. There's a lot of arms to this story. And to your point, right, it was a few days before Father's Day in 2021 that the bears entered into the conversations uh and and ultimately in the fall of 21 signed the the purchase agreement for 197 million on this property in Arlington Heights and this week was just the way the the timeline fell in terms of the closing becoming official and so now what you have david is a situation where the two words that come to my mind for the bears here are control and ownership. You know, they kind of control and own now what they want to do with their future plans for a stadium. And that's what this has been about for a long time. It's about setting yourself up for a future that makes all sorts of sense for, for the Chicago Bears organization deep, deep into the future. And this is part of that. Now, listen, like I, I'll say the first thing that people in the public need to know is that the closing on the land is not a guarantee that they build and develop on that. Team spokespeople at the Bears will, 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 you know, insist on that until they can clear a few hurdles. Some of the most notable ones being, hey, can we get some clarity on property tax issues? Can we get some leeway on property tax issues in a way where this project, uh, which I believe they called in their open letter on uh, Wednesday, a mega project, can get off the ground and can get moving. And then we can start to get those beautiful artist renderings. And then as soon as we get shovels in the ground, you go back and you look at all the, the new stadiums around the NFL. It usually takes about three years from the time the construction starts to the time the construction ends. Okay, a little bit about our calendar. We are dropping this on Friday morning. We will come back next week with some more off-season uh, conversation on Tuesday. You can find us on the 670 Scores YouTube page or the Odyssey's YouTube page. And obviously, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to us, Take the North, and then you can reach us on Twitter at Take the North Pod. So, Dan, you are one of – uh, many reporters at the Tribune involved, and your name was one of several on a story uh, in in uh, Thursday's editions. Great job, and and I think that you're right. I want here's my goal by the end of this off season. I want to know who has more resources, who has more names: the Bears scouting staff or the Tribune <laughs> reporting team? Because there are names on the Tribune reporting team. I think that it just shows you how big of a project this is, and and I think. It's being treated with with the, with the weight it deserves. Uh, let, let's start with a very basic timetable. I like what you said there because people wonder, and we talked about it on the Mullen Hall show on Thursday morning. People wonder about what this means in terms of, all right, when when might they break ground? And after they break ground, when might they have a, an actual structure? And then, of course, when would there be an opening? And then I would add one more to that. <laughs> Super Bowl, right? <laughs> well, yeah, when will they name the Super Bowl? Because we only know where the next two Super Bowls are. Beyond that, they change. Uh, I mean, they, they keep it pretty fluid. So I think that once this becomes a reality – that really is one of the next big things and targets that the Bears have to realistically hope for, right? 
Yeah, I mean, you're certainly playing a couple seasons in your new building before the NFL is going and hosting its grand showcase in your field. But look, like that timeline's notable. And you've heard me sort of hint at this for uh, months now that, that 2027 is where I've kind of earmarked the calendar as a potential uh, date for that stadium to open and the Bears to start playing their home games here in the suburbs. That's probably best case scenario at this point. Some of this is going to be dictated by what we just talked about. It's just how quickly some of the, the political and governmental hurdles can be cleared and, and some of the things that you have to do look like there are going to be residents in Arlington Heights and the nearby municipalities who raise uh, concerns and, and, and want to hear their voice heard about what is happening with this project. The Bears have been very, very clear from the start that they are going to be receptive, that they're going to be welcoming feedback, that they don't want to be seen as invaders to this property in Arlington Heights. They want to be seen as, as uh, you know, a team and organization that's obviously doing what's best for it, but Neighbors. also, can, but yeah, right. Partners. That also can put together, um, you know, a, a year round complex here that can be beneficial to everyone. And that's the cool part of this is it's not just going to be a stadium on a plot of land. There's vision here and there's, you know, um, ideas here that will come to life that will make this a, a destination spot, even when the Bears aren't playing. You know, and we can get into this in future podcasts, but you go around to places that have, um, you know, Hall of Fames or, or these museums to celebrate their teams. The Bears put one of those in at Arlington Heights, which seems like a no brainer. You're going to have people coming every single day of the calendar year to take a piece of your history and, and, and experience it. And it's going to be fun. And let's face it, part of that allure. Part of that, uh, the entertainment district, if they want to, whatever they're calling it, the mega complex, however they phrase it, is going to include a sports book. And I think that's going to be a magnet for people and sports fans. And there's going to be things to do and reasons to go. Uh, that may be farther down the road as we as it pertains to the political hurdles that are need to be cleared. Isn't this where you bring in your new president, Kevin Warren? Isn't this where his experience in doing these kinds of things? Now, again, we know. And we're talking about the, the Chicago area. Uh, it, it's it's a political animal all its own, very unique creature. But I think that when you talk about Kevin Warren, his savvy, his experience, this is why he's here. You give Ted Phillips credit on the way out, but then you welcome Kevin Warren in and you say, okay, this is, this is how complicated it is. This is a complex um, picture and, that we have. Now it's your job to try to make it as uh, – you know, as, as streamline that as simple as possible. I mean, if we're getting the Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay scouting report on Kevin Warren, one of the top lines is going to be gets things done, right? right? Connects people, knows how to build bridges, knows how to get um, things done. And so that's going to be a big part of this project is knowing how to connect different entities of this project in a way where everyone kind of moves and moves and moves and moves at a pace that, that makes sense. And so it's going to be really cool to, to chronicle this. You mentioned the team that we have over the Tribune. I was in Minneapolis at the Star Tribune when the Vikings wheels started turning on a Stadium. And it's, you know, it's a, a, a story and a major story for a half decade or longer. You know, it, it's, it's a story, at least through the first inaugural season in the new building. And so there's a lot to learn from that project that went on in Minneapolis that we will be studying at the Tribune and me specifically uh, in, in the coming months that will, will give us a little bit of a compass on where the Bears are going. And obviously, Kevin's fingerprints are all over that. I got a couple of questions related to football and how the factor, how you factor in the stadium issue that you may or may not be able to answer. But it, it, they came up in, in terms of whether it's on the text uh, line at, at the score or just talking to people throughout this process. OK, we know the Bears going into the free agency have ninety two million dollars in salary cap space more than yeah. any other team. But we also know that there's a difference between cash spent and salary cap space. 
is the natural question to wonder, Dan, because of this, I don't want to call it a cash cow, whatever, however you want to refer to the Arlington Heights project, the Bears are going are on the verge of owning their own stadium, <laughs> printing their own money, but, but increasing the profit margin and, and certainly being more a more lucrative endeavor owning a football team. Would that at all affect the way that they spend now because they're likely to make more later? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's uh, much of a connection there at all. They're going to go about putting together this football team in a present day sense, and they'll deal with some of those other big picture issues later. I I mentioned a minute ago that one of the big questions that the Bears have is what are the property taxes on this land going to look like uh, out of the gates and for the foreseeable future? One of the bigger questions that everyone else has is how are the Bears going to pay for the stadium, which, as you know, nowadays comes with a, a, a sticker price of $2 billion just for the stadium itself, not to mention all the development that goes around on around that and so that's a question that we're gonna have to keep our eyes on and, and our ears open to hear uh just where the funding of all this is going to come from because that's the one that you don't get a ton of clarity on and it certainly makes a difference because you know we know that this this organization as a whole um has a bit of an uncertain future and i think there's a lot of people that wonder you know who is going to be owning this team 15 years from now is it still going to be the Hallis mccaskey family is there going to be a change of ownership these are all things that that come into play now when you have a project of this scope and this magnitude occurring um and we'll just have to kind of take it one step at a time and see how fluid it is. And when you have a strong political leader like Governor Pritzker, who says that public funds will not be used, it's more than just rhetoric. You think that that's probably real as long as he is in office. And when you have, you know, local politicians at Arlington Heights talking about and, and, and in Springfield at the state level talking about freezing property taxes and giving some other inducements, you wonder where that all is headed. But you're right. How the Bears pay for the stadium to football fans and non-football fans alike, and probably the latter, it's more important uh, of an issue, but that is going to be the issue until they break ground. It takes me about 16 minutes to drive from my driveway to the finish line at Arlington Park Racetrack. Uh, I've made that drive a time or two, just so you know. And I I have actually petitioned to get my own property taxes frozen for 40 years as well, because I think I'm kind of within the radius where I deserve that break, right? And I think you would probably agree. I would agree, but I think there would have to be something attached to that. You would have to the cover. You would have to cover the team for that long. Okay, so for forty more years. A, mm. That might be a sentence unto itself that you might not want to accept. I'd be eighty-six. I'd be eighty-six by the time that. You know what? I know that the way that you eat, you would be healthy. What I think might be harmful is if the Bears don't improve. That would be very stressful to do for the next forty years. And they've got to improve, right? And they've that's got what. To improve. So, so, yeah. so much of this off season, you know, like we we've got it, it. Like I said, it's really cool because. Because we're on this highway of stories and we can get off at various exit ramps and then get back on the highway. And there's, an, you know, there's just so much to see in this 2023 offseason. And part of it is, OK, now where do we go with the stadium? The other part is, OK, now where do we go with this football team? So that 14 losses and the quote unquote payoff that came with that turns into something, right? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage 
all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, well, let's, before we exit off this, I'm, I'm turning my turn signal on because I'm about to. But before we do that, the the semantics the, of, of when Ted leaves and Kevin Warren uh, arrives, because now this was his last, really, uh, act that he needed to finish. This is his time to take a bow. Ted Phillips, I was told on, on Wednesday night, wanted to make sure this was done before he left, and he took a lot of care to make sure that this was done. Congratulations to him. But, Dan, we are now in late February. When do you think that su- succession plan or when do you think that they are going to make that official? Well, so initially Ted had said that the, the, the last day of February would be his last day on the job. And that was the initial point that they had marked. And then they, they later sort of said that there's, you know, Kevin needs to transition out of his job as the commissioner of the Big Ten and that Ted was willing to stay on to make sure that transition was seamless. So sometime in the next several weeks, I will point out that in the, the, the end of March, the, the NFL league meetings uh, go down in, in Arizona. And that's a big, big place uh, and a big, big event on the calendar for these big picture sort of conversations that go on with the league and with with NFL teams. And you would imagine that Kevin Warren would certainly like to be on the job by that point, by the time they go down to Arizona to to get things started there, because there's probably going to need to be some communication at that point to uh, the commissioner and everyone else within the league on what the plans going forward for the stadium plan are, as well as all the other league issues that go on. So, you know, I I think we're we're kind of there, right? Like we're in that that point where, um, you know, Kevin's waiting. Ted's around in the corner. The baton will be passed at some point, and and hopefully within the next month or so that that, that will be a, a smooth transition. All right, and let's transition into football. The team on the field with the question maybe you can answer, maybe you don't want to. When the stadium and in Arlington Heights opens, will Justin Fields be the quarterback of the Bears? Yeah, we said, you know, I'm using this 2027 ballpark. So uh, that would be his seventh NFL season. It would have mean he earned a second contract. It would have mean he is well into that second contract at that point. Stalling, stalling, delaying, delaying, trying not to give an answer. I I, I say yes. I, I'll say yes. <laughs> but I, I think that it's too early to rile the masses up. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's fun to consider the possibilities. I also thought it was interesting. He may stick around just so he can play in a, in a stadium with a roof because well, apparently he, he doesn't like bare weather. He's been vocal. Like he was on yes. the, the Pardon My Take podcast saying, I hope this stadium has a dome. I can't wait to get in a dome. So, uh, you know, on the record, Justin Fields has, has said that, that bare weather isn't for him. So as it pertains to Justin Fields, Dan, this is the silly season. So we are going to hear a lot from people who believe whether they're being fed information legitimately, whether they're being fed information intentionally to mislead. But there's going to be a school of thought. Hey, the Bears have the number one overall pick. They can trade that and because they have a quarterback or they can trade their quarterback and use the number one pick on Bryce Young, Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. First of all, before we get to some of the specific analysts who are suggesting such a thing, overall, how would you term what's happened this week? Because we have heard it from more than one source, this idea. 
Well, look, I, that's why I said that the Bears were made for this offseason because it, it it generates conversation, it generates debate, it generates um, different trains of thoughts on what could happen in direction A and what could happen in direction B. I've had some really interesting phone calls myself in the last 10 days that, you know, like you take a bunch of notes and you um, – put them in the sifter and you you kind of try to filter through stuff that is speculative versus stuff that is just kind of philosophical versus stuff that is actual rooted in reality fact. And it's all blended together in a stew at this time of year, as you know, David, and it gets really confusing trying to separate one from another. And so my, my personal rule is you just kind of use stuff in the back of your head and you don't report anything as gospel until you know it's absolutely gospel. So some of these things that come out as, you know, one general manager wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields was no longer a bear. Well, there's 32 of them in the league until I've got 28 of them telling me, oh yeah, they're trading them. I'm not going to jump on my 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 bicycle and, and start throwing newspapers on the driveway of everybody in my neighborhood. And that was one report from Jason Lockin for who said that general managers at the senior bowl or somewhere, maybe it was a Super Bowl. He quoted general managers saying they wouldn't be surprised. We have Todd Mc. Todd McShay, the ESPN draft expert who does a terrific job breaking down prospects, saying that if he were the Bears, that he would draft Bryce Young, even though that's not likely what they're going to do. But again, that pumps up the value of a Bryce Young. And then we have somebody who I think is very highly respected and should be, and I respect Colin Coward as much as anybody because he's compelling, he's thought-provoking, and certainly he's plugged in and talks to a lot of people. But he had this to say about why he would recommend the Bears trade Justin Fields. One more season of average to bad, and you'll get nothing for him. Secondly, the Bears have a defensive coach and a defensive culture, and they didn't draft him. He's not their guy. Third, Chicago probably won't have the number one pick for a while. I don't think they'll be good, but you're not going to be in this territory again. Use the opportunity. And four, you had Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith, and you couldn't win games. You think Will Anderson is going to come in and turn the franchise around? In an offensive pivoting league where it's hard to go on a 10-game losing streak, in a, in a year the Packers were down, and the Vikings and Lion defenses were atrocious. They lost 10 straight games. I think you have to consider calling Atlanta and saying, we'll give you Justin Fields. Give us your eighth pick. Go get Bryce Young. And then go get another, the second or third best edge rusher. I like Justin Fields, but I've never, ever thought he was Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's close to Caleb Williams or Drake May. I don't think he's an Andrew Luck. I don't think he's a guy that can succeed if the circumstances aren't great. He's more Trey Lance. He'll work if he gets the right stuff. A lot there, David. There's a lot there. Before we comment on that, (laughs) let's go back to November, mid-November, kind of right around the time where Justin Fields uh, emerged that and just remind people that Colin Coward also said that was – Justin Fields' time where he proved that he would be the Bears quarterback of the future. So opinions <laughs> are fluid, and I understand the reasons why. And Colin Coward on FS1 does a terrific job, again, of breaking down the league and being compelling. But, Dan, I don't know I, I don't know if I buy a lot of what he said because the Will Anderson thing is, you know, when Khalil Mack came to the Bears, he did make an impact on a team 
that did have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Yeah. So you can get that guy, the right guy, to make that kind of special immediate impact. Micah Parsons is another. If he's their Micah Parsons. So I think it's amusing. It's interesting. But I have to control myself and pace myself because I went on a little mini rant Thursday morning on the Molly and Haw show. And Molly told me that, hey, it's only February 16th. So as much as I declared that there this is enough of the the, the straight Justin <laughs> Field stuff. We got I've 70 got a days long way to go. Yeah, long way to go. 70 days until draft night or somewhere around there. Uh, it may be an even 70 days, to be honest with you. And like so we look at this and um, first of all, I like the the hinting by Colin Coward of a reunion in Atlanta. Ryan Pace engineering a trade with his bosses to re- re- reunite with Justin Fields. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be sweet theater? Well, and yeah, and they have a roof in that stadium. So, of course, he wants to play indoors. Yeah. So 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 there you have that. The other part of this argument that I shoot down immediately is, um, you know, if he has another average year, you get nothing for him. Well, you know what else you get nothing for if you trade him away and your next quarterback isn't any good and Justin becomes something. And, and right now you're on a track where you've seen enough out of Justin Fields to believe that he has the potential to be a long term difference making starter. And so to pull the court on that now sort of defeats the purpose of what you're trying to get done. Now, I, I, I do understand the argument of those who say you're not going to be picking at number one often. And so when you're at number one, you better understand the um luxury you have and the flexibility you have and you better consider everything so i'm cool with ryan poles considering all this for him going to indy in a couple of weeks and and vetting that quarterback class as deeply as he wants to vet it like you have to do all these things and and do all this homework but ultimately right now you know i've been beating the state of course drum for a long time on the justin fields topic and i think the bears will i think the bears will yeah that those are your words. See it through. You got me going there during the season. I was like, okay, I, this is this makes a lot of sense, and I I would see it through if for no other reason that you have an opportunity to use that pick to multiply. I know you'd get a lot for Justin Fields too, and I guess that would be an interesting conversation with maybe a draft analyst. Who would what would you get more for the number one overall pick or Justin Fields, the quarterback? I still think you probably would get. Uh, more for the number one overall pick because of the potential involved and and the contract situation. But I think it's almost a hypothetical and a moot point because if you're the bears, you've got to see what you have, see, see this through because you've started to develop a quarterback that you can win with. So can I give you a piece of chatter that has now come to me from, from multiple channels within the league that I think is interesting. And it's the idea that the Houston Texans may not be hell bent on getting a rookie quarterback in this draft. I think we've all sort of seen it as a foregone conclusion. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. They're picking number two. They're going to take it. Well, now there's sort of this train of thought that, listen, they just hired D'Amico Ryans to be their head coach. He's got a six-year contract. There's no urgency in 2023 to put everything in place to get moving. Nick Casario hasn't been on the job as the general manager for very long either. They have time on their side to potentially do what a lot of teams do, which is build the rest of the roster first, Unite yourself with a veteran, right? Like you can go out in free agency and find yourself a bridge veteran quarterback that gets you there. And by the way, I bring this up because you mentioned the name Caleb Williams. You mentioned yes. the name Drake May. Yes. Well, the Houston Texans could easily put together a roster that is helping them for the future, but is also capable of doing what the Bears did this year and losing 14 games and being right back up in the top two to pick again in a draft that then has 
difference-making, no-doubt guys that people around the league say, yeah, Caleb Williams better than anyone in this class. Drake May may be better than anyone in this class. So it's a fascinating little subplot to the story that, that it's just worth throwing out there now because I think everyone has sort of operated for months and months and months with the idea that the Houston Texans are hell-bent on getting their, their QB1 uh, before they get to OTAs. Well, if you get through the pre-draft process and you're not convinced that Bryce Young really – uh, you're not convinced that he's a mini Mahomes, as I have heard people refer to him, and maybe it's more hype than it is reality. Yeah, I could see that because Caleb Williams might be the next Mahomes. Caleb Williams is closer to the real deal than any quarterback in this draft. I, I would go on record as saying that right now today, but reserving the possibility of changing my mind next year. But I think that Caleb Williams, <laughs> like he would be great if you're the Texans who had fired two straight head coaches who did nothing to get deserved to get fired. So you're the Texans. You're a mess. Why not wait another year? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just something to keep an eye on. And it, and it brings us to the AFC South where you have uh, the, the owner in Indy, Jim Irsay, <laughs> tweeting out a picture on Wednesday, uh, which appeared to be him riding a live bear at Lincoln Park Zoo, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, an <laughs> odd. Stuffed bear. Wasn't it, wasn't it a stuffed bear? Had to be yeah, one of those things. 60 Jim, years ago. Jim Irsay is always up for, for something. And so, you know, who knows? It might have been. I'm looking at it right now. It looks kind of like a live bear. And, and, and the, the caption on the tweet was, my relationship with the Chicago Bears goes back more than 60 years. And there was okay. nothing else to it. Okay. But <laughs> I'm looking at it too. And if his parents, Bobber, say, let him sit on a live bear at that age, then there should have been DCFS involved. I don't think that was a live bear. That has to be a stuffed bear. I'm going live bear. I'm, I'm going, going live bear. bear. If people know out there at Take the North Pod, you can tweet at us. Let us know because I'm dying to know is that real or make believe? That's got to be a stuffed bear. And so then the other question is, is it real or make-believe that Jim Irsay is hinting at some sort of deal with the Chicago Bears? <laughs> is he, real. Is he, try, is he trying to trade for Justin Fields? Is he trying to trade for the number one pick? Is he trying to just simply freak the Houston Texans out enough to go, oh boy, I better try to up my ante with the Bears and send them more than the Colts are going to. What a wild stretch this is going to be for, for things like this. I'm so jealous of our friends in Indy who were sitting in that press conference room the other day while Jim Mersey was waxing eloquent about something, and he started to talk about this, and he said something about wanting to go after a quarterback and, and you know, going up in the draft, and then Chris Ballard, boom, shoots him a look. It's like, <laughs> wait a second, wait, slow down here, Jim. You're not supposed to tell people what we want to do, even though everyone kind of assumes that's what they want to do. That is, to me, still 
the most likely trade partner with the Bears. And I think, Dan, in all, in all seriousness, <laughs> it gives them a chance to move back to four and still potentially get one of these real highly rated generational talents on the defensive line, whether it's Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, that they can plug into their defense immediately and have Colin Coward say <laughs> – wonder if they're ever going to make an impact. No doubt. And don't forget that toward the end of that press conference in Indy, Jim Irsay pulled up his sleeve and showed off the wound that he got by being bit by a live bear. <laughs> did he really? Oh, no, he did not. Oh, okay, I was, come on. I think it's got to be a stuffed bear. Otherwise, he never would have if, – if he was that reckless as a toddler, there's no way he would have survived a te- being a teenager. Reckless is on the scouting report for Jim Irsay that Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay have put out over the years. I just think that if you're Jim Irsay and the Colts and you are Ryan Poles and the Bears, you are ready to make a deal. You're ready to get a first rounder in the future, a second rounder this year, maybe a third rounder and a John Fogarty to guitar. You know, because <laughs> you have all sorts of memorabilia to wheel and deal, but it'll be fun to watch. And that was an entertaining press conference for sure. Okay, so speaking of people with former connections to Chicago, wanted to get this in before we wrap things up. Dave Tobe, the Kansas City Chiefs special teams coordinator, he won another Super Bowl. And he's been now in uh, what? Uh, he's been in three Super Bowls. They've won two of them. He obviously was a special teams coordinator during the Devin Hester era. Um, he is the special teams coordinator uh, and was last Sunday when – uh, Kadarius Tony had a 65-yard punt return. That was a Super Bowl record. And Dave Tobe joined us on the Mullion Haw Show on Thursday morning. And obviously, we asked him about being a, a guy that was with Matt Nagy in Kansas City and his relationship with Matt Nagy and how happy he was for the former Bears coach. Well, I was so happy for him. I mean, he's, he's really a great friend. You know, he really is a great friend, always was a great friend when he was at Chicago as well. Uh, you know, hired my son, uh, you know, so I owe a lot to Matt Nagy. You know, he's a great football coach. You know, I know he's going to get another shot. I mean, he came in here and he he just he, – he was rejuvenated, and that's really what it was, you know, for him. And it was fun to watch. It was fun to see. And, uh, you know, he was just so happy and so elated about the whole thing. I mean, it was his first championship game that he's been to and obviously the first Super Bowl. So, um, you know, to come out on top, you know, he, he, he's, he's hungry to get back back again, just like everybody else is. But uh, for him personally, uh, it really, really was redemption. Strong words. Redemption's a strong word. As we said last week when Matt Nagy talked about getting closure and it was the first time he really talked, you saw the joy – uh, Matt Nagy fell after the game, Patrick Mahomes hugging him in the locker room. You have to be happy for the guy. Matt was double fisting Bud Lights at the parade in Kansas City, and so he was certainly enjoying the celebration that figures to last for a long time. Obviously, look, like this league has a lot of uh, ins and outs and, and entrances and exits, and it's always very fluid. And to see kind of the last, you know, 400 days of Matt Nagy's life, pretty fascinating to see the turns he's made and obviously to, to wind back up with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time with his mentor, Andy Reid. And now, as many people in Kansas City may tell you, potentially positioning himself to continue a climb to succeed Andy Reid potentially up the road when it's when Andy uh, decides that it's his turn to, uh, to 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 hang it up and so we'll see where it goes but obviously Matt's enjoying the spoils of being a Super Bowl champ for the first time 
big difference from where he was about a year ago in South Africa on a safari, probably on the back of a live bear or an elephant <laughs> or a giraffe. But that's where he decided he wanted to return to coaching. He has landed on his feet and now he's got a Super Bowl ring. And you're right. You can talk to more than one one person and not just Matt Nagy fans, but just observers who think that whenever Randy Reed decides to walk away that Matt Nagy would make sense because of his relationship with Patrick Mahomes and because of his accomplishment as, as a quarterback's coach. But back to Dave Tobe, talk to him about a lot of things uh, in terms of having to coach a, a special teams unit that, that played, uh, you know, so many rookies. The Chiefs had the third highest number of rookies play this year, except for the Bears and the Texans. We know where they finished. But he also once coached Devin Hester. And Devin Hester was disappointed last week in not being a member of the 2023 Hall of Fame class. And we wanted to get Dave Tobe's reaction to that news. Yeah, I'm waiting for it, too. I, I did talk to him. I, you know, I talked to him before, you know, that, that he found that he didn't get in. And, I, you know, obviously I talked to him after, too. Um, you know, I, 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 just, I really do think, uh, Dave, it's going to be a, it's just a matter of time. You know, I really do. Um, you know, maybe next, you know, hopefully next year. You know, and, and it's, it's going to wear on them. It's going to start wearing on them like it does on those guys that don't get in right away. Uh, but you know, we got to keep them relevant. You know, you guys got to keep them relevant. We got to keep bringing them up every year and, uh, you know, make it, make it important. And, and, you know, I, I really was surprised he didn't get in this year, to be honest with you. I mean, he played the plays he played and he, he scored like all the time. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, nobody does. That. I mean, some people get big returns, but he was, he, he knew how to get in the end zone, you know, and then he, he did change the game. You know, Mikey, you know, the, everybody had to have a returner. You know, everybody had to have that guy after that. And then, then everybody had to have cover guys, it's guys that could cover and tackle this guy. You had to take all the big guys off the, the coverage units. And, and even on the back end, on in the return game, to be able to make it work, you had to have guys that could stay and, and, and sustain blocks. Um, you know, and then he changed the rules as far as the wedge goes. And, you know, the way, you know, the, the, the injuries and stuff that happened there. Plus, you know, having Devin back there was almost unfair with the, with the wedge. So, uh, you know, it's it's amazing, you know, and then the coaching too, and the coaching change, the emphasis on special teams. I mean, right. everybody everybody ended up having two guys now instead of one. You know, two coaches. You have an a assistant and a, and a head guy too now. So, uh, just the emphasis of it, you know, the importance of it. He changed the game. I mean, it's, I don't know what more could be said about it. David, I hope that that, that somebody takes that soundbite to the committee the next time they meet. And, you know, it's gone from being a, 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 you know, a hotel ballroom at the Super Bowl site every year to now a Zoom meeting since COVID happened. And so somebody needs to just play that soundbite and, and let, let the people on that committee hear that. Listen, I think we've talked last week about how most people on the committee believe that Devin is worthy of getting in the hall eventually. And maybe that is the type of thing that just generates enough momentum for him to bump up a couple spots in the, in the line, you know, because it's a long line. It's like pulling your number at the deli counter on a day where it's really busy. Sometimes it's a longer wait than you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. But eventually they say, 23, you know, we're ready to slice your turkey. In this case, they're ready to give you a, a gold jacket and a, and a Hall of Fame bus. And it's worth the wait. Yeah, great to talk to Dave Tobe. Great to catch up with him. His wife, Cheryl, cancer survivor. His son, Shane, is on the Kansas staff. And his daughter is a junior at Kansas. You know, he had at one point, Dan, as you know, been a hot head coaching candidate, interviewed a lot of different places. I always hoped that he would get a job, but I always wondered if he was too normal to be a head coach, a guy that, you know, certainly driven, but you can hear there, he says such a relatability 
that um, it, it's it's a shame that he never got that opportunity. I don't know if it will, you know, if he's out of opportunities, but he's, he's at the stage of his career where he is really enjoying his, the, the niche he's carved for himself. And he's 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 appreciated in Kansas City. and He's been with Andy Reid a very long time. I was going to say, it's a good place to have a niche, right? Yes. Uh, to, be, right. to be on that train, that's a nice a nice uh, uh, place to have a niche. So, see, there's a lot going on with uh, with the Bears in the offseason. We talked about the stadium. We talked about the speculation and obviously caught up with an old friend and Dave Tobe. There's going to be plenty to talk about moving into next week, Dan. I think there's going to be maybe the beginning of looking at the franchise tag uh, situations and decisions. Going to look at the quarterback carousel. I think by then Aaron Rodgers might have emerged from a cave and maybe we can simulate what that sounds like when he does that because you're so good at your impersonation of an Aaron Rodgers. Well, we've, give, we've given Adam Stadzinski a list of, of people to potentially track down as guests for next week's episodes. It includes uh, Bart Aaron Rodgers' darkness room, and it includes the the bear from the Lincoln Park Zoo that Jim Mercy had a relationship with 60 years ago. We may get both of them on next week. We'll see how good Studs is. I'm going to find Smokey. I'm going to find Smokey the bear and find out if he remembers a young Jim Mercy sitting on his back and then him just go, see you, kid. Get away from me. It's silly right. season, you know, so let's go it with is it. Silly season. We're going to lean into that. So that wraps it up for this episode of Take the North. You can find us on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on the 670 The Score YouTube page or the Odyssey YouTube page. We will be back on Tuesday with another episode of Take the North. I am David Hall from the Mullion Hall Show, weekdays 530 to 10. Adam Sadinsky, our producer, thank you for putting it all together. And Dan, let you have the last word because you have been the busiest this week. Well, look, like it's a, a big development, getting that uh, development at Arlington Heights to move along a little bit. And there's going to be a lot of stuff in the months to come that, that we'll, be, uh, we'll be chronicling and we'll be able to talk about it here a lot on Take the North. Like I said, we're not going to run out of topics on, on this team and this Bears organization for a very long time. So let's go. Talk to you next time.